Hey, my name's Clay Ride, and I'm from Rock Island, Tennessee. I'm a video builder, but right now I'm a freestyle kayaker. I use the Acrobat 270 because it rips in the hole. It's a really good hole boat. I can't remember that quote for many, many years. Anyway, welcome to the Darren Clarkson podcast. What a strange introduction we had. And uh, my sort of paraphrase words from Clay Wright, who spoke those words at the Augsburg World Championships, Freestyle World Championships in the mid-90s. Strange I can still remember him as a 46-year-old bloke, but then I probably wore the VHS out of that uh, whole sequence uh, when I was a student, so it's no surprise really. And uh, For those that don't know the uh, the Augsburg Worlds, like, if I remember correctly from the video, uh, Aunt Chaitlin cracked a rib, Bill Mattos cracked a rib, Boats were bottoming out, cartwheels were just going on forever and ever. Oli Grau used a, a dagger blast. He, he won the event in a, in a kid's boat, which, you know, was maybe, just maybe, the uh, the kick people needed to make the boats, like, smaller and slicier. They were still long, but they were definitely a lot smaller than the dagger transitions and the hurricanes at the time. But why are we talking about stuff like that? Well, we're talking about stuff like this today. I say we, I mean me. Me, sat in my car, uh, drinking a coffee from a well-known uh, bakery. We're talking about stuff like that because it's just been the ICF Freestyle World Championships in Nottingham, where people from around the globe paddled a concrete ditch next to a sewage outflow pipe. <laughs> and the paddle boat's shorter than the paddles. I mean, I can be all jokey and laughy about it, you know. I can be all cynical, you know, because when I go paddling, I want to keep my head dry. But these guys and girls want to get their head wet and bounce around a lot. But it's all inspiring, isn't it? It really is. And I'm I'm not really Mickey-taking, because I think it's just insanely beautiful. A, the evolution of our sport. How we get from the 91 Stunt Boat Championships, uh, when... The event at the beaches in Pembrokeshire, Wales, took place, and all paddlers used the same boat, uh, Jan winning it in a Corsica. How that's evolved to what we've just seen this weekend with Otty smashing records in the, in the uh, women's freestyle and Dane taking on golden men's. Squirt boating's still a thing, which is brilliant, because without squirt boating, we wouldn't have had most of the moves we have today. Obviously, airborne moves aside, you know. The Snyder Brothers, Jesse Whitmore, icons of the squirt world, they're sort of acid dreams, I want to say, but it's probably not true. They're a bizarre mind that thought, you know what, if we sink the nose of our boats here and like move our body weight, we're going to be able to do cartwheels. Has just evolved after 30, 40 years into this spectacular spectacular part of our sport that's still really niche you know it's insanely niche and we know it's niche because when you go onto ebay and people advertise boats for sale they say this is a cool playboat and most people that buy them think playboat means a boat that you mess around on the canal with <laughs> but it's not is it oh. to the outside world Boats have not, but freestyle boats have not evolved to the outside. Well, you know, the short and dumpy, you know, and they all look pretty similar. 
but they have evolved, haven't they? You know, you're getting bigger air, you're getting more pop. And I don't mean seven up. I mean you're getting sort of more bounce in your boat. You're getting you've got these amazing rails. If you think back to the first generation of rodeo boats, it was back then. Sharp rails, flat hulls, they weren't a thing. Oh crikey, flip! And none of that rubbish. You know, we had paddle spins around the neck and air guitars and all that malarkey. We didn't have this finesse that we have now in the sport. We didn't have the linked, I want to say, uh, linked synchronicity, if that's even the right word, of competitors matching each other move for move. Competitors will sit month after month after month, year after year after year, working out how to put rides down in the feature to score maximum points. You know, they sit with Excel spreadsheets, I'm pretty sure, I'm sure other spreadsheets are available, and they work out what a loop will get. They work out what a McNasty gets. You know, what Space Godzilla gets. They work out those points, and they work out the multipliers on those points, and then they go into the hole, and they do those moves. This is not random chance of being tossed and turned like a sock in a tumble dryer. It's insane, isn't it? Absolutely insane. And I'm still really hyper every minute, the fact that I've you know, just had another coffee. Probably don't help things. But what a lovely little event. Put on really well. What surprised me, though, was how freestyle is still niche. I thought that I've been out of the freestyle game for a long, long time. Uh, I paddled in GB Team mid 90s in my Acrobat 270. And I've sort of been away from the world a lot. And I, I had this impression that freestyle was a lot more uh, structured. And I know it's structured because I've just told you about the Excel spreadsheets and the rides. But I imagined athletes to be a lot more serious. And the, the actual feeling behind it to be a lot more serious. And it wasn't. And that was lovely to see. It's still got its sort of anarchic tendencies. And I like that in the sport. I like that it's niche. I like the fact that the boats on the water, they were pretty much two models of boat on that water. I didn't see any more. There were two models of boat. Float boat. Squirt boat, probably a couple more. But in the actual finals, there were two brands. Niche brands, really, realistically speaking. One of the brands, quite big, you know, but still niche, realistically speaking. You know, you don't see, they don't have sea kites coming out of their factories, you know. They have playboats. They have a couple of creakers and move boats, but they're not super popular. You know, freestyle boats are their bread and butter. And the other brand is a freestyle company. You know, they have one creaker from what I remember. Kevlar creaker, carbon creaker. And that's it. You know. Really niche. Really, really niche. Not mass market. But people aspire to be these paddlers. And it's really good. And it's nice to see people stand on podiums, getting medals, being emotional with all the hard work that they've put in over the years, all the training. Love it. But is it, while it's niche, is it available to the masses? It's a question we've got to ask ourselves. 
how much dedication have you got to put in to be the best in the world? You know, loads is the answer, isn't it? You've, unless you're naturally gifted and you can get in a boat for the first time in months and get in the final, you've got to put hours and hours and years and years of your life into being the best. And I don't know if that's really an option for a lot of people. You know, people have study, people have jobs, people have lives. It takes a special kind of person to dedicate your life to sitting in a small kayak that's shorter than your paddle and dancing around in water. Special kind of person. I've had another couple of days of amazing kayak experiences. I went on the canal the other day. I was invited on the canal by a friend. And when I know what you're saying, oh, Dad, you've just got really hyper about this World's Freestyle Championships. You've got to tell me now about this canal. And it was awesome. A canal. An industrial locale, a canal with a rich cultural heritage and reimagined mill buildings. I hate reimagined mill buildings, you know. I'm sure the people that live in them love them, but I'm not a big fan. I'd rather have the mills working, you know, but that's not some sort of romantic ideal of what mills next to canals are actually like because I know they're probably horrible. Uh, but I went paddling on the canal. And me and my friend, we went paddling. And we took a disabled lad in the front of a duo, <sighs> lifted him out of his wheelchair, putting him in this duo, paddling down the canal, the laughs and the giggles. It was just not a paddle held in sight. There's lots of splashing, lots of giggling, lots of shouting at the swans. You know? Not wanting to get out. Trips in his hand in the water for like an hour. <laughs> but the absolute simple joy of being in that boat. What a wonderful thing that is. What an absolute wonderful sport we have. Where we can go between a 48-hour period of going on a canal with a disabled lad, having jokes and banter and giggles and splashes, to hours later watching the elite dance with the river. Because I can't think of another word for it. You know? Dance. Ballet. Ballet in the water. Oh, amazing. Our sport is so unique, isn't it? It's so special. And then we get people that go paddling and they get worried, you know, because we build, we do, we all get worried. We go paddling and we get a little worried about things and we get scared and we get nervous on rapids and then we walk a rapid, okay? And our friends might jibe us and we feel a bit put down, you know, and it not, knocks our ego a little bit and it knocks our confidence and next time we go, our confidence is low. And we walk that same rapid again because we've got low confidence. Get yourself some new friends to paddle with, you know. Friendly jibes, fine. When it's knocking your confidence, get new mates. But then there's nothing wrong with walking rapids. We beat ourselves up, don't we, if we walk a rapid? Loads of people do, you know. You get to a rapid, you don't, sometimes you don't even scout it anymore. You just know you're walking it. And then you get to the bottom and you beat yourself up and you go, oh, I should have run that rapid. The next time you go, you still walk it, and you beat yourself up again. You go, I should have done that rapid. Checking my mate on the canal, dipping his hand in the water, really thought about 
Yeah, I should have dipped my other hand in. I shouldn't have giggled at that swan. I shouldn't have laughed at that logodile floating past. You know, it's all about expectation, isn't it? You know, if we have expectations of having a good time, it doesn't matter if we walk a rapid expectations that we're going to run everything on the river and we don't, then we're going to sort of knock, we've been knocked a little bit. And I'm not convinced that that's, that's how we need to be. Really quick podcast today because I'll be super excited. And the fact that I urge you all, listeners to this podcast, to go out kayaking. Have a bit of fun. Don't beat yourself up if you walk. Don't beat yourself up if you miss a surf on a wave. You know, we've all missed surfs on waves, you know. We've all peeled in at the wrong angle and been power flipped and sort of washed off downstream in some sort of frenzy of bad rolls and snotty noses, you know. But go out. Have no expectations of the day. Try and smile. Try and have a good time. Drink tea if you can. Drink coffee if you must. Have some cake. Cake's a winner. It allows you time to think. That's why I urge people to have tea, coffee and cake. Gives you time to think and smile. Have a cracking day, gang. Thanks for listening to this random, hyped-up review of the last few days boating. And I will catch you all later. You know the drill. If you want some questions answered, bang them in the socials. And if you want to play this teammates, then they can laugh at some Yorkshire bloke who's now so tired he's got matchsticks on his eyes up. Right, tuddle pips, and I'll speak to you again very, very soon.